Welcome to the Proteomics in Proximity podcast, where your co-hosts Dale Yuzuki, Cindy Lawley and Sarantis Klamidas from Olink Proteomics talk about the intersection of proteomics with genomics for drug target discovery, the application of proteomics to reveal disease biomarkers, and current trends in using proteomics to unlock biological mechanisms. Here we have your hosts, Dale, Cindy and Sarantis. Welcome to Proteomics in Proximity. Today, our guest, Hilda Anderson, will talk to us about Olink Insights. Olink Insights is uh, Olink's first digital product to really help enable groups to understand and dig into proteomic uh, information, not only before they decide to do a study, but also once those data are, are being analyzed, we help them dig into some of these pathways and understand their coverage. So with that, I'll, I'll hand it over to Hilda. Hilda, how about introducing yourself a little bit or a little bit about, about what you're here to talk about today? Um, thank you very much. So uh, my name is Hilda and I work in the data science team at Olink and I've been here for a bit over three years. I have a background in biotechnology engineering, and I've been working on the Insight team a little bit um, from the early beginnings, but more um, intensely sort of in the last couple of months once the website has actually uh, become a beta product. So I'll I'll, um, I'll just say three years is a very long time in Olink time. We're we're sort of like starting to become years. a veteran <laughs> by Olink terms. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, a bit about me. Before I started um, in Olink, I actually spent some time as a show jumping groom and rider. Maybe not the typical Olink background. Show jumping. Um, and show jumping meaning horses. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> in in Ireland, which maybe you hear a bit on the accent, I still have a bit of a, a touch of that. Um, and also on horse riding safaris in Africa, I spent some time uh, working. Well. Wow. Um, so maybe not the typical data science background, but uh, here I am. Uh, now, what part of Africa? Uh, Botswana and Mozambique. And oh, for how wow. long, by the way? Um, so about six months. Wow. That must have been a very different experience because you were then also... A very different experience. <laughs> uh, you, were, <laughs> you were actually then show jumping horses <laughs> in Africa. In Africa, it was mainly um, safari, so taking guests to look at the wild animals from horseback and also show jumping them. But we had different issues like elephants in the show jumping arena. (laughs) What a dream! Wow! But uh, (laughs) that has nothing to do with Olig Insight. Sorry, sorry, we can't show jump today. The elephants got in the way. (laughs) Yes, real problem. Weird problem. Wow. I did not expect to talk about show jumping in Africa, but here we are. And when you were showing horses, I mean, that was so different than what you do from day to day, I assume, that you still are involved in horses uh, back in Sweden, yeah? I do have my own horse now, so um, I keep that as a hobby, which is a very nice um, sort of contradiction to sitting at my computer and programming all day. That's beautiful. So, so how about if we talk a little bit about how oh, what the the intention was in building the Olink Insights? Because this is not a quick thing. This has been underway for quite a while. Yes, it's been a. I feel like it's been a vision in Olink for a very, very long time that we want to. We really want to help 
customers with everything you know it's it's a, it's a very very big vision and what we just have released at least for me it's it's only a start on all the possibilities and the things we can do with it but it's it's a really really good start so it has to me at least it has two different angles so it has sort of the the, the not yet customer part you know when you're interested in Olink and you want to learn a bit more and like, what is this what can I do with this how can I select a product that fits me and fits my interest in my research. And that is one very important part of insight and something that we want to make, of course, accessible and easy for people to understand. And we also have the other part of insight that I see a little bit more of a post analysis. So once we have a customer, you know, we want to really take care and help the customers that we already have and want to give them um, an easy experience to get uh, insights and results from their Olink studies. Um, I think that is what Olink Insight is also trying to cover, at least some parts of that. I mean, I work in the data science team and we get a lot of customers to come. They come to us and they ask us questions about their data. They um, they ask us to do analysis for them, um, which, which is great. Um, but some of that I feel like we want to bring out to the customers because I I feel like the best parts of analyzing a data is just playing with it. You know, I click around, I plot this, I look at that. And that is something the customer will not get to experience if they just send it to me. They will just get the final results. Um, so I think for them to start and, you know, poke and feel at some of their results um, is a very big thing. So um, at the moment, you're not able to upload your own data into Olink Insight, but you're able to analyze um, results in form of protein lists. So I think that's a, that's a really good start. That's a great start. And by the time this episode airs, will be out of beta. So you've had some some beta interactions, I'm sure, with some customers. Are you seeing, so I think about this as bio, like pure biomarker studies where customers might be digging into the various pathways where they're comparing cases and controls or longitudinal data in, in strictly proteomics. But also I wonder, have you seen any groups that are looking at, say, RNA sequencing data and, and identifying pathways there and and trying to either before they run an experiment or after they've run an experiment uh, identify the the co-localization or the comparison between those kinds of data sets. I'm just curious, are use cases that you've you've discussed with customers so far? I mean, for sure, people want to do pathway analysis on RNA sec data as well. I mean, that is not something that we per se do in Olink Insight. We're more based around the Uniprot identifiers. Mm -hmm. But most of the underlying databases uh, accept multiple identifiers. So you can do the same database mapping using gene, um, gene identifiers as well as protein identifiers. And, and for sure, people want to do um, pathway analysis. I mean, to me, a pathway analysis is sort of placing your results in biology. Mm -hmm. And that is relevant, whichever omics you are measuring. So um, definitely not exclusive to proteomics. And we have a really nice, actually, my favorite feature, maybe you're good, I'm going to sound so boring now, but my favorite feature in Olink Insight is the gene uh, name to Uniprot yes. translator. It is so good. Now, if, um, if, I, understand, because... if I understand correctly, because you're talking about the standardization of a particular protein name is 
tends yeah. to have a lot of sort of messiness yeah. around that. Well, Is remember, that right? well yeah. remember, there are genes that are coding for proteins, and they have names. And then there are the proteins being coded for, and that's where we recommend UniProtID. But of course, groups that are doing, you know, tests or or uh, research around a gene list, like a targeted sequencing list, are going to want to compare and convert, you know, what proteins are relevant for this gene list, for example. Yes, and many people talk about proteins using these short G names as well. So I found it a hassle yeah. in general to translate these names into Unipol identifiers. And I think Oleg Insight has an amazing translator for that. So, so it's possible to come in with your gene list as well. So if I come in with like <laughs> IL-6 and I come in with IL-6, I'm going to get the same Uniprot ID from each of those lookups. Yes. Isn't that brilliant? Because this has been one of my one of my frustrations is not having a translator for that. So I didn't even know we had. I use Oling Insights no, quite a it's bit. It's my favorite feature. I, I know it's not very no, boring, it's but not for, it's it, not it sounds, trivial. Right. It's, it's really you're, you're not trivial. So, you're solving headaches. <laughs> yeah. You're, you've relieved the pain. I love it. And we had some, uh, I mean, cred to our amazing developers who actually developed this and did all of the, you know, the fussy searching and mm. to allow all of these different ways of writing names. Yeah, Silvia, that's talking great. about the proteins, I mean, isn't the idea if you can include that afterwards, like data for protein protein interaction, for example, they can uh, you can figure out that if the protein protein interaction is in a way mm -hmm. already string implemented. string database mm -hmm. or. Um, Definitely. String, string is a cool one. People like it because it has um, fancy yeah. plots. Mm. People like to drag uh, bubbles. Um, <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, but also there are data there in string. There are data for in string. There are also data for physical interaction, like uh, histohybridin data, like uh, in vitro, in vivo. There are a lot of other type of information that implies, you know, interprotein interaction. I think that'd be great to absolutely to string is very useful. Yeah. I gotta yeah. say, so I, I just gotta say your comment about moving bubbles. I mean, we learned that people like that in Candy Crush, right? <laughs> <laughs> But it is, it is objectively a nice way it's of visualizing true. things. Absolutely. I also like bubbles. No, I love images, imagery, right? To tell that story, right? That's great. <laughs> yep. And like you said, Serentis, I mean, the string does include, you can filter on specific types of interactions <laughs> that you want to learn about. So it's, it's very useful in that way. So help me. And Olink Insight, we do have, sorry. Uh, so help me. So <laughs> is string part of the Olink Insights? Or String is a separate database. It's a separate database. To, okay. Yeah. And and what uh, you're illustrating, though, is that it, within Oling Insights, there is interaction data that's derived you from You can it? find protein interactions, yeah. I think, in two different ways, depending on how you define, I mean, protein interactions. So, so one way you can do it is you can go to the Publication Explorer, which is an app in Insight where you search the PubMed database mm -hmm. using text mining. Yeah. So there you can find publications that include your list of proteins. So that is a way to find abstracts where proteins co-occur. And then you can see, for example, if you have two proteins that co-occur in a lot of abstracts, that could mean that they probably have something to do with each other. And then you can click on those abstracts and you can learn about that interaction. So that is one way. And I think String also has text mining interactions as one of their mm. um, interactions that you can choose. 
Another type of protein interaction is, for example, if they uh, are involved in the same pathway, so we have the reactome da database, mm -hmm. that can also indicate that they probably interact in some way, maybe not directly, but they could be indirectly. I see. So those are ways to find protein interaction. In and I, I, and I, I don't think we've said this, but there are visualization tools in Olink Insights. I mean, yeah. it's not just a, a mining tool. It's a, it, and, and I'm clearly using about... 2% of the capabilities in Olink Insights. So this is the best interview oh, ever. Small, I love it. Small small correction, Cindy. It's Olink Insight singular. Okay, okay thank and you. I think currently, Hilda, correct me if I'm wrong, we currently have a tool named Olink Insights, plural, that's a separate like software. Isn't that correct? We have a shiny app <laughs> okay. that does um, NPX data NPX. analysis yeah. that yeah. unfortunately <laughs> may be still named the Olink Insights stat app. Good differentiator, um, we're gonna We're going to sort that out. <laughs> yeah. we'll sort that out. It's okay. So we're talking about Olink Insight, and I think it's such a cool application. What you mentioned just prior was that there is a text mining tool within Olink Insight that actually does PubMed searches. Why wouldn't I just use PubMed? You can for sure use PubMed. PubMed is great. Um, I think the advantage of using this um, text mining tool is that it includes um, predefined vocabularies. For example, you have the HGNC vocabulary for G names, which includes all of the synonyms and the regular expressions. Here we go again. Um, and there's here we go again with gene <laughs> names, protein gene names. names. God. <laughs> and there is a machine learning algorithm that has parsed um, and read all of these abstracts and identified all of the genes and gene occurrences in these abstracts. And so it's kind of pre-computed which abstracts contain which genes and also diseases from the human disease ontology. So you can find genes ah. that co-occur yeah. with diseases oh, that's ah. and gene lists that co-occur with diseases. So, um, so to get this co-occurrence information, I think, is um, much easier and you sort of pre-served -pre for you here instead of having to go to PubMed. Um, and search for well, it, multiple genes and then a disease. And then it sounds like, well, PubMed's not going to give you those connections, right, to the disease, like no. you mentioned ontology or the particular proteins of interest, especially if there are several no. different names, right, aliases or what have yes. you. So we use a service called Tenwise um, so that we, uh, we are licensing their, uh, their API for this text miner. Um, and they have a more also more intelligent way of searching. If you go yeah, to PubMed, yeah. you search for the string, and that is it. Um, but I don't know. I have my least favorite gene ever, which has a synonym called CO2, which is horrible to search for. You will never find no. anything wow. you actually want to read about this gene. So that is why you need this more intelligent sort of gene-finding algorithm uh, on top of these abstracts. It sounds yeah. really powerful. I mean, in terms of this 10-wise capability, both for the name. I think it is uh, one of the most scientific, heavy parts of Olink Insights. Um, I think definitely something that more people should check out. I have a practical question now, Hilda. I see it like uh, after data visualization, is there any way to export like JPEG or files that people that can use afterwards for papers, for example? Uh, have, you, have you thought on that? Um, the Publication Explorer, I think you can just download sort of the screen, basically the screenshot. Um, so when you upload the list of proteins to mm -hmm. the uh, Pathway Explorer, um, it will light up with the coverage of that list and that file you can export. export. 
For the publication explorer, I, I don't think you can download any visualizations currently. Um, because I will guess no. that people when they generate data, I would guess that I'm sorry, I would guess when people they generate data and they have this nice interaction and pathways, they would like to have in their paper, right? And probably have some JPEG files that they would like to TIFF, you know, they can use it for their presentations and stuff. Yeah, so currently I think only from the pathway browser. I think it's That's definitely cool. and from the the data stories, which is something we haven't touched upon yet. Yes, maybe true. we will get yes. there. Then you can download all of the images as well. Yes, let's talk about data stories. That's a great idea. But the Pathway browser, I've definitely exported images off of that, which has been really helpful to just at a high level view see which of the major pathways Absolutely. a particular protein shows up in. Absolutely. And I think we have great um, as well. That's something that's unique to. To this product is that we have such great user experience uh, help and user experience designers for this product. So I think the um, the ease of use in this platform is pretty unique for similar um, platform with the same amount of sort of science in them, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and so um, I find it very intuitive to use. Yeah, I would say you know this is a call to action for anyone who didn't know about it before to please reach out with feedback, with guidance, with user cases. So that we can improve it. This is a great time for that. So that's, yeah. When you think about, from a career perspective, a, a job that didn't exist 20 years ago, user experience designer, right? Yeah. Somebody who <laughs> is designing interfaces for people to interact with. Because unless I know I'm able to navigate and fi right, figure out how to use something, I mean, it sounds like there are a lot of different dimensions. So if I understand correctly, you mentioned like panel selection in terms of Olink product. You mentioned 10 wise with the sort of disease status and co-occurring proteins and, and protein interaction data. And then you just mentioned the reactome, right? In terms of how people can look at pathways. And then now you mentioned data stories. <laughs> now that's an- And there is one more also, oh. the annotations that we haven't touched upon yet as well. <laughs> Which is, I guess, a build on the, the reactome. You could say the reactome is one type of annotations, but we mm -hmm. also have more types of annotations in Insight. And Such as with annotations, I mean that you can add, you can sort of tag additional information to your proteins. So, for example, a reactome pathway is an annotation to a protein. Um, but we also have gene ontology uh, and we have tissue expressions from the, um, the C oh, sorry, the protein atlas. Mm -hmm and also uh, the normal ranges from the normal ranges data story. Uh, that that's a that lot. <laughs> that means different <laughs> issues, different issues of expression, if I got it correct? You have, yes. Oh, that's great. So if, it's, uh, if the protein is enhanced or enriched in a certain tissue. That's great. That's great. So that's pretty there amazing. you go, Sarantis, right? The multi-omics nature special, of this, right? Special multi-omics, mm -hmm. actually, right? In the way, <laughs> digital, digital special multi-omics in a way, right? That's great. Yep. That's great. So that is something that you can add to your list. So within Olig Insight, you can create lists of your favorite proteins. For example, um, if you did a study and you have your cases versus your controls and you found, you know, these 14 proteins were significantly differentially expressed between these groups, um, then you can upload or save a list with these. Um, 14 proteins, and then you can add additional information to those. And, and For I, example, maybe you will see that they're overexpressed in liver, then maybe... The patients have something to do with their liver. So, 
And this is through a, a, an individual's account and their interface with the Insight platform. Is that right? So this is confidential yes. within their account that, yeah. Yes. You can share lists with each other, but then you actively have to do that. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So you can share with another email address yeah. or another account. Got it. So you're and connecting accounts. And then can you, do you share all of your protein lists with that account? Is that how it works? No, no, you have to share and um, select a specific list Got and it. then decide to share that specific list with another account. Yeah, that would be... The rest is, is only Yeah, yours. coming from the population health perspective, of course, I think about these yeah. large collaborations, these groups that are working mm -hmm. together. This is really nice functionality. Uh, Dale, you were about to yes, ask something, I, I think. Well, I think it's... Uh, really interesting, right? You've got different annotations. Can you drill down a little bit further? I mean, I'm, I'm not quite grasping this concept of what you mean by annotations. So this is something that a user would go ahead and basically make additional notes on a particular pathway? Um, so the annotations are currently based upon a list of proteins. So you go to okay. your profile and you go to your list. Yep. And basically what the annotations does, you can think about it as just adding a column to that list. So you have a row is a protein. Yep. And then you add another column that is a tissue expression. Got so it, it says this protein is overexpressed in liver. I see. And then you can then share these observations from your own data to other collaborators, yes. I see. Or you can export the data. Um, currently, you cannot make any figures with Enolic Insight on the annotations, but you can export it, and then you can go to whichever program you prefer and do a, a bar plot or whatever you prefer yeah, I um, with see. these annotations. I yeah. see. And then you mentioned data stories. I mean, that's an unusual yes. term. I don't think of datas and stories in the same context, right? <laughs> stories are anecdotal, right? It's not data, but data is data. So what can you tell me about data yeah. stories? Uh, I would say the data stories are a bit separate from the applications that we have talked about so far. The data stories are based on specific data sets. And currently there is two, and there is one coming soon in November. Um, and each data story has its own purpose. Um, and they are slightly different. So actually um, the most popular um, user or sort of user interaction at the moment in Insight is the normal ranges data story. Mm. And that data story um, uses a data set of about 300 um, US adults and they have been measured on Explore. And what we present is not the actual data, unfortunately, we cannot do that for many legal reasons. Um, but what we can uh, share and show is the, the distributions of MPX values for each assay in this data story. Um, and this is something that people find very, very interesting because a lot of the times you get your data set and you look at it and it's like, is this normal? And what does this look like and in we like can, another population? Yeah, and maybe we can explain why why you might have a different dynamic range for one protein relative to another in normal individuals. Can you touch on I that mean, a bit? Uh, so MPX is a relative scale, so you can never compare the absolute values of one protein to another protein. What you can do within a study is compare um, the MPX levels of the same proteins between individuals. However, um, this is a one specific study. We have a specific group of people from the Northwest United States. And this 
uh, study, of course, comes with its own set of pre-analytical variation and so on and so forth. And so you can never compare any absolute MPX values between this data story and your own data set. And also they are not, as what we say, bridged for batch effects. Mm -hmm. So it's not for looking at the actual MPX values, it's to look at the distribution and the spread of the MPX values, because that you can compare. So what we are using uh, to describe that is the interquartile range. And also you can plot the actual uh, sort of gauche, you know, when you do a, you put a little gauche distribution on each data point and you get the little softer uh, distribution curves. So this data story is very useful to compare distributions between your data set and another, uh, and sort of a example data set, I guess. And also, I think it has a pre-study function as well. So if you're looking for a biomarker for something, anything, you want to be able to detect biological differences. And if you have a very high natural variability in a protein, it can be very difficult to detect mm. smaller biological variations. So maybe then that specific protein is not the best one to go for for um, a biomarker. Maybe you want to look at the ones with smaller natural variability. So I think it has both, both a pre-study and a post-study um, use. And also, I just love to click around in it. You know, if you start looking at the distributions, you, I can go down the rabbit hole yeah. uh, and just look at all the, the proteins and how they look. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You, you remind me of a presentation that Matthias Ulin gave in 2021 early on. I mean, I just joined Olink. Uh, and he had showed, I think, in a longitudinal study in Sweden of the proteins moving around over time, right, month by month. And each individual was quite static, right? But the, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. the variation. There was one person who went bloop. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you wonder, you know, what was it with that person who goes bloop? You yeah. know? Everybody and, else is very stable. Exactly. Exactly. And then to think about this particular data set, you mentioned Explorer. So this is Olink Explorer 1536? Yes. Uh, and it was 300 individuals. Is that right? Yes. Okay. 150 male and 150 female. Yeah, I see. And then as far as uh, how people take a look at it, you mentioned NPX values, and these are the O-Link uh, normalized protein expression values for our audience. To be clear, it's a log two-based scale. And it's really interesting when you talk about the sort of normal distribution of a given healthy population and for people to select the biomarkers even before they do their study. I mean, I, I assume that that I think would... it's a good tool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And you met, so that's one of the two data sets that's currently available. Yes. What can you tell me about the yes. other one? So normal data ranges, really popular. Sounds really interesting. Yep. And the second. I mean, normal, it's one population. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> all the caveats, right? Um, it's the Americans. All the caveats. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Plenty of caveats, but you cover them very nicely. But the other data, yeah. uh, data story is. The other one um, I personally like a lot because I think it is very unique and very cool that this data set is actually public. You can get the actual MPX data and the actual manifest to go uh, with these samples. So this is the COVID-19 um, data story. Um, so it's based on a um, uh, COVID-19 study. So it was pretty early on in the COVID-19 pandemic. So it was before a lot of uh, treatments. 
But it was um, one of people came into hospital. It was one of the first Explore fifteen thirty six data sets, actually. Yes. Yeah, and the fact that yes. it it was able to be made public was remarkable. So many yes. many people have looked I think at it's, that. It's super super amazing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and you can through the data store, you can find the data set and you can download it yourself. Um, so um, the, the the patients came in with respiratory distress. And then they were tested for COVID, and the majority had COVID, but some had not. So the data set consists COVID positive and COVID negative patients. And then they have longitudinal samples, and they have recorded um, sort of state of disease. So you can follow how their disease progressed over time. Um, and this data story, I would say, is a bit more of a tutorial uh, on how to analyze your own data. And specifically, we're showcasing how to use R as a language for analyzing um, OLINK data. So this data story contains a lot of text and a lot of figures. Um, and you can click on the little brackets things. And when you do that, you will expand all of the code that has been used to generate the figures. So you can download it and you can actually copy the whole data story yourself on your local machine if you want to. Or you can adapt the code a little bit to your own data set. So it showcases some of the most common uh, analysis that we do for the most common study design. So you have a two-group comparison, you have sort of a longitudinal um, study, and you have um, two different ways of doing the longitudinal uh, in a mixed model. Mm -hmm. So you can uh, take into account uh, personal variation as well. Um, so this one, I think, more of a tutorial. And I, I get customers sometimes, you know, when I work with customers in data science, who are very, very good with I mean, they're good data scientists, they're bioinformaticians, but they're not used to proteomics data. So they can ask, like, what, what do I do with, with this data set? Uh, and really, you just treat it like any other. But I think this is a really nice resource, you know, to show people to and, and go ahead and look at this. This is what you can do. It's just your normal, normal R functions. Um, and you can get results, um, result examples and figure examples. Um, so that one, um, a little bit different, but uh, also very cool. How roughly how many uh, samples in that data story? Ooh, so it, should I know that off the top of my head? A couple dozen or hundreds? No, three hundred eighty. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. So significant. Yeah. Oh, wow. actually, sorry, and I also must correct myself. I think I said that the normal range is maybe for Explore fifteen thirty six, mm -hmm. but it's for three K actually. Oh, that's great! Wow. I'm not sure what I said. That's wow. great news. I probably mixed up the two. Well, and the fact that we've data, got those. Are any other data available for this study? Are there any ASEC or something that people they check? Sorry? Are any ASEC in this data, in this study also available or only proteomics? Not that I know of. I don't know, actually. Okay. okay. Yeah, this is the data set that was published by Philbin, Michael Philbin et al., right? Mm -hmm. Then this and then we have another one coming out. I don't know if you want to teaser on that one. Sure, oh, why not? <laughs> it may be out by the time we get this posted, by the time we... It's coming out in November. So yeah, maybe. Um, this is the start of something very cool. Um, so this is what we call the disease atlas. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the goal is to basically investigate the proteome of diseases. And the first um, part that's coming out is focusing on different cancers. Um, so we will have a data story that looks into protein expression in different, different types of cancer that comes out in November. 
And like the other data stories, it's going to be interactive. So you can sort of click on the proteins and the cancer diagnosis that you want to learn more about. And you can investigate um, and learn about you know, which proteins actually sort of define or stand out for this particular cancer compared to the other cancers. But this is the result wow. from so different this studies, right? It's going to be super cool. This is the result from different Sorry? studies, right? It's not the one. It's a result um, of different studies and different uh, approaches, right? In this case, they are they are run as one project. So this it is one Oling study, but the sample collection mm. is from different hospitals. Um, so yeah. Do, do you know do you know how many different cancers will be released at the beginning? Fifteen. Wow. Fifteen. Wow. That's that's, that's going to be and, interesting. Yeah, and roughly the overall number across fifteen cancers, as far as samples of data. Uh, very different for the different yes. um, cancers. Sure. Um, okay. But the whole the whole data set is almost two thousand. Wow! Samples. Wow! And so it's a, it's a really nice data set. Will it be down to NPX value, or will it be a meta analysis across the groups? So for data privacy reasons, we cannot share individual NPX values. Um, so everything will be sort of on a presented more of a group level. Got it. Mm. So I think uh, it has to be at least 10 individuals per group for us to be allowed to show it. Ah, very useful to know. Yep. But nonetheless, you get those distributions, right? And you exactly. get the ranges, yep. which is really valuable yep. for insight. And you get the, the group comparisons between the different cancers. And you even get uh, so, some, uh, some um, cooler multivariate stuff in this one as well. Uh, it, it's going to be very good. Well, it's going to help you understand the power. If you were doing a follow-up study in that cancer, yes. what power can you expect at different sample sizes, right? That's incredibly valuable. And that, For sure, yeah. And that, of course, yeah. is a function of how different the protein ranges are in, in healthy versus diseased. So. so for people to access all this, we're not asking them to, like, pay money to access this data or anything? No, it is free to use Olink Insight. And you, like you mentioned, the goal is to engage uh, investigators before they even consider doing an Olink project, mm -hmm. as well as sort of after they've already generated data, like you mentioned, looking at normal ranges. Is that correct? I mean, yeah. I mean, I see it as two sort of separate groups of use cases. You have sort of the pre the pre customer or the soon to be customer and you have the sure. already existing customer. Sure. Um, and I think both both of course have have value and I mean for us it is very important that our existing customers that they can publish and get very, very good results. Sure. So we really want to um, empower that post analysis. Um, sure. I mean remove help barriers. them with every step of the way. Yeah, remove yeah. barriers to get Definitely. them published for sure. Yeah. So running down the whole list of things you were talking about today, right? Uh, gene <laughs> gene names, generating gene <laughs> lists, annotating those lists. You talk about the 10 wise PubMed drill down tool, the Reactome database. And then we were talking about the data stories, both normal ranges and COVID. Uh, help me, Sarantis and Cindy. What other, what other things did we talk about just now? Was there something else? <laughs> 
certainly the integra- the ability to to think through what the genetic data are and where where might these overlap with the proteomic data. But for customers that I'm usually talking to who have large genetic data sets, this allows them to 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 start to get familiar with these just this concept of dynamic range. The fact that pre-analytical variation can be in a study, but as long as you're tracking it, you can use it as a covariate and you can you can see the effect. Uh, but that oftentimes, like in the data stories that you've talked about today, oftentimes that pre-analytical variation pales in comparison to the biological signal. And so building that confidence... If we're lucky. If, if we're lucky, <laughs> right? And and sometimes we don't have enough samples, right? But but getting some sense of how many samples you need for that, I, I find that a very enabling tool. Anything else? I mean, for, for vision, I mean, I want to add to what you said, Cindy, because we also have already a separate Shiny app for power calculations yes. to help customers um, sort of um, estimate number of... Um, and at least so, so speaking of my personal vision now, I want to integrate more of this, um, the, the numbers uh, relating to a study, you know, the power and the action analysis and kind of move that, more of that functionality into insight as well, because I think that would be very powerful in combination with all of these other applications that we have talked about. I agree. Um, so at least for me, that's, that's kind of how I visualize um, the future. Yeah. I think yeah. also the future uh, data integration, like multi-omics approaches, and probably protein confirmation, they will come to the game as well, right? Kaiso forms later on, probably modifications and something that. I think they will give a lot of. I fun. mean, the, yeah, I, you should see our like wish list. Yeah, I can imagine. Of I, I can would imagine. love to. I can imagine. I can add a lot of. Yeah, I, I am not going to put Hilda on the spot here by asking her what those next features are. I mean, really, the. Well, I, I will not answer because that's above my pay grade. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, thank Hilda, very for much. joining us today. The launch of this Olink Insight is really exciting. We'll make sure and include the URL, right, for signing up for Olink Insight, provided, I mean, the fact that there is, I think, what all we're asking for is an email address for people to log in with. Isn't that right? I mean, it's minimal in terms of what people need to provide. Any final words or comments? No, go play with it. Um, I think it's really fun. And let us know what you like. I feel the team is really good and it's really driven by user feedback. So we're going to do what you guys want. So if you find good ideas and things that work or may not work uh, the way you like it, that is something the team will be on. It's a very responsive and talented team. So go play with it. I can reinforce that. It absolutely is a responsive and talented team because I've interacted with them quite a bit. So here, you heard it here first. Go play with it. Go play with thank, it. Thank you for joining. Thank it's you. great to talk with you. All right. So long. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Proteomics in Proximity podcast, brought to you by Olink Proteomics. To contact the hosts or for further information, simply email info at olink.com.